Good morning. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6. We'll be continuing uh, our series and looking at this dialogue uh, found in John, chapter 6. Um, I want to second what the other pastors have said about the funeral yesterday. Um, I was not able to attend. I don't think I've ever wanted to be with my church family as much as I did yesterday, and I was uh, already booked to, to lead a, a family or a, a marriage conference, and so I knew Brother Max would want me serving the local church and, and going and, and serving the church that I'd promised to serve in that way. Uh, I was able to, they were great, they graciously changed the schedule where I could be in my room at my computer to watch uh, the funeral and I was in there as you were here many of you were here weeping and worshiping I was in my room alone weeping and worshiping and so I encourage you uh, if you were not able to attend uh, to watch that I believe it's the most inspiring funeral that that I've ever witnessed and uh, I know it'll bless your heart uh, as well so John chapter 6 We'll start reading with verses 41. In the dialogue leading up to this, Jesus talked about Himself as the bread of life that, that gives eternal life. And here's what it says in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Me. Not that anyone has, has seen the Father except He who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Uh, Crystal and I recently returned back from uh, the BMA Church Leaders Cruise. And on a cruise, it's all about the food, at least for me. It's all about the food. And everything revolves around 
winter the buffets open and, and then at, uh, in the evenings everybody gets dressed up and you go to, to sit down and dine in, in kind of a nice formal manner. And I was struck by the confidence that we all use. We're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Okay, If something were to happen and the boat were to sink, it would be incredibly dangerous. There are creatures down in the sea that would like to eat, would like to buffet on us, right? And yet we dress up with absolute confidence that the boat will not go down, and if it goes down, there will be lifeboats and we'll be okay. And so I want to talk this morning about a feast that brings confidence, and that is the feast, feasting on Christ, that when we are drawn by the Father to feast on His Son, we have confidence in receiving eternal life. We see here that we see here an unbelief in the crowd. So Jesus has just revealed some spectacular things about Himself. He had said in verse 40, Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. And, and so... The response of the crowd is this. We know Him. Right? Like, a lot of them knew Him. In fact, they said, we know His parents. We know Mary and we know Joseph. And so who is this guy? Yeah, sure, the multiplication of the food that we just saw was amazing and we had our fill. That was a neat trick. But who is this guy that we know that says that He is the bread of life that can bring eternal life? What's that about? And, you know, I've I've noticed that it's always hard, no matter how far you advance in life, okay? When you go back home to the people that that grew up with you, that changed your diaper, that as a child, as, as you were a child, saw you do embarrassing things, it's hard to kind of put on airs that you're something, right? Because they just know the kid. And so in a way, Jesus was, the crowd was struggling with the fact we know this, we know this guy. He's just a guy. He's like us. He has parents. We know his parents. And so Jesus confronts their grumbling. And you would think maybe he would offer, uh, offer up a lot of evidence. Hey, this is kind of how my birth went down. There were some angels that came to some shepherds and, and angels that came to my mom and said this, this pregnancy was going to be special. But he doesn't do that. Because he realized that, that the human heart, that their heart is darkened with unbelief. No amount of mere evidence is going to change their minds because what must happen is a work of his father. That's what he says. He says, do not grumble. In verse 43, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And it is written in the prophets, as they all will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Now, listen, I realize when it comes to things like predestination and election, we have a church with varying varying views. And, and, and that is fine. That is... Uh, that is a, an in-house debate among faithful Christians. But I think what surely we can all get on the same page on is that salvation is a work of God. And that if God does not come to us and does not show us Christ, we would never seek Christ. 
I mean, the Scriptures are clear with that, that we go our own way until God does a work in our heart. No amount of evidence, no amount of persuasion from man would, would have made Christ suddenly beautiful and irresistible to our soul. It was only the work of the Father and through the Spirit in our hearts. They are, um, these people, as all people, are left on their own without the working of God in their soul, and they will continue to grumble. They will continue to say, We know his parents. He can't be from God. They would continue to scoff. He's a good teacher, but, but Son of God, I mean, come on. But what does 1 Corinthians 1 23 and 24 say? It says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. There's a, there's a hearing that, that, that goes out to the people that God is working in their hearts, and that's why we go and we preach to all, because though some will scoff, there will be many who will, who will scoff at that and say, he's just a guy, he's just a teacher. But there will be many who are taught by God that, no, he is the Son of God. We do not come to Christ on our own, but we are drawn to Him by the Father. How humbling that my salvation is by grace, that it excludes boasting in what I have done, but I can only boast in what God has done for me. We see here that we must feast on Christ as the bread from God. He sticks to his original claim. He is not going to be sidetracked by their concerns that this is weird. You're not the bread of life. You can't give eternal life. He's going to stick to his guns. And we really need to understand verse 47. It stands as kind of a key to what's going to come after. Jesus says in verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And Jesus is going to talk about eating bread and He's going to go even further and talk about eating His flesh and drinking His blood. And then in verse 44, He says, whoever feeds on My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life. So verse 47, whoever believes has eternal life. Verse 54, whoever feeds on My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life. So believe is synonymous with feasting. Believing is synonymous with the eating. It's a figurative way of saying to believe, to just receive Christ for all that He is. And when we think about it, eating and believing really isn't that far apart. And when we mean uh, A.W. Pink in, uh, in his commentary on John, he, he puts it like this. He kind of compares the two. He says, eating is a necessary act. You have to eat. If you don't eat, you will die eventually. And in the same way, you have to believe. You have to have faith. It's a necessity for the new life. He says, um, also, eating is a responding to a felt need. You realize you need something and you're, you're hungry. I need some food. 
On a cruise, you don't really respond to need. It doesn't, you don't have to be hungry. You just eat a lot. Um, but most of the time, you're responding to need. And in the same way, that's faith. We respond. We know that we need something outside of ourselves, so we respond in faith. It's an act of appropriation. It becomes part of you, right? And if you eat too much of it, like I have the last week or so, it becomes a big part of you. Because that's what food does. It becomes part of you. And so when we believe, so Christ, we're taking in Christ as part of us. And it's a personal act. No one can eat for you. No one can eat for you. You have to do it yourself. And in, in faith, it's the same way. You have to have faith yourself. And so, so feasting as a picture of believing, it's actually a, a pretty accurate picture. And what Jesus tells them will come through that belief is eternal life. While He uses earthly food as a picture, He points uh, to, uh, to the shortcoming of earthly food. He tells them, look, the manna that your father ate in the wilderness, there was no magic to it. It was just bread. It was calories to get them through the wilderness. They all still died. While food is necessary for life, it cannot keep you alive forever. You can eat all the kale salad you want. You can make sure you eat only what is healthy. But in the end, you're still going to die. You're going, even when you fill your belly, you're going to be hungry again. I know Brother Max uh, struggled to eat in his final days. Even weeks before he was in the hospital, me and Brother Donnie went by to see him at his house and he said to us, he said, food just doesn't taste right anymore. And it was so hard to just kind of see him lose all that weight, right? Because it's just, his appetite wasn't there. It was so difficult to see that. But, thanks be to God, Brother Max had received the food long ago that does not bring temporary physical health, but brings eternal spiritual health. Christ promises in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him for the life of the world is my flesh. So this morning, though we, though we mourn the loss of Brother Max, what we know uh, is what Verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, We do not lose heart. Though our, inner, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Though Max's outer self was wasting away because he could no longer eat. There was an inner spirit within him that was ready to soar. That was fully healthy. That, was, that is now more alive than it's ever been, His Spirit within Him. Because long ago, He had taken in the bread of life and made it His. And we see here that Jesus really talks about in kind of some veiled ways that 
that what was going to happen was going to be his death. So the people are, they're dumbfounded by his comments. It says in verse 52 that you still can't get over it. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Can we be a little honest and, and say here that, that if we were in the crowd, we would have been a little, huh. Right, because we like we know the whole picture, right? We know his death, and 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 we know that he get he, his body was broken for us, and he poured out his blood for us. But if you're just listening to a teacher in the crowd, and suddenly he starts talking what really sounds a little like cannibalism. Let's be honest; it sounds exactly like cannibalism. What is he talking about? So you would think that that that. Christ would, would backtrack a little and, and get, go back and say, oh, well, you know what I'm saying. It's not literal, like eat my body. It's, it's this belief thing. But he doesn't do that. It's almost like he says, are you freaked out? Let me freak you out even more. Let me keep going here. And he says in verse 53, so Jesus said, and truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is true and food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I have lived. Uh, I live because the Father, uh, because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. I mean, anybody, any holdouts in the crowd that weren't a little, like, what in the world, or, or definitely, like, what in the world at this point? Drinking blood? But we must remember the context of this conversation. Okay, it's not like he's just pulling this out of nowhere. We have, uh, recently, he's fed them. Okay, so he's, he's using an illustration kind of from what has just happened. He's multiplied uh, fish and bread and fed them. But even more than that, this is in the context of Passover. So Exodus 12 tells us uh, the description of, of that first Passover and, and what was to be done. And they were to take the lamb, right? And they were to take that lamb, the Passover lamb, and they were to kill it. And they were to take the blood take that, that blood and, and to, to pour it out and then take it over to their doorpost and then put, put the blood, smear the blood all over the doorpost and then to go inside and take that lamb and cook it. And they were instructed, eat all of it. And if there's any leftovers, you burn it. You don't leave anything. You just feast on that lamb. You, you, you take it in. You you confidently, and they're, they're actually instructed, hey, get ready to go out of Egypt. And so you, you, you dress ready to go, and you sit down, and you feast with confidence. And so it's, it's, not, as if, it's not as if this is just coming out of nowhere. These are, these are pictures of, of what the people have been thinking about for days, about, about blood and, and flesh. The main point here is that, is that it's about the death of Christ. They are symbols to reflect His death. You know, the crowd had scoffed at, at what Jesus was claiming was, 
was crazy because he's just a man. And Jesus is saying here, that's the whole point. Yeah, I am a man. I'm fully divine, but I am a man. I'm in the flesh. I'm God in the flesh. If I was not in the flesh, I would not be able to give myself, to give that flesh, to give that blood for you. One theologian said it like this, for no one will ever come to Christ as God who despises Him as man. And therefore, if you wish to have an interest in Christ, you must take care above all things that you do not disdain His flesh. The crowd disdained the fact that He was just a man, but that was the whole point because He was going to die. So we must embrace both the divinity of Christ and the flesh, the manhood of Christ. Or again, remember verses 47 and 54. Believing is feasting. So this is all about fully embracing in faith what Christ has done on the cross. And it's a past act and it's a continuous act. In verse 53... It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Without getting too lost in the weeds of the Greek language, because I wouldn't be a good guide anyway. But this is the aorist tense. And what is it implying? A single act that's done, it's completed. You are to, you are to eat the flesh of Christ. It's done. You have done this. But then verse 4, okay, so that's the picture of conversion, right? That's the picture of that moment of belief where we believe in Christ. Conversion, that once, uh, that one-time moment. But also verse 54 says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So this is actually continuous. This is an a feeding. So it, it, it makes reference here. You have feasted on me and you will continue to feast on me. So what does that mean? It means that to, etern- that, that to attain eternal life, I once and for all must receive Christ. And once I have received Christ, I continue to feast on Him. I continue to love and seek Him. Seek satisfaction in Him. Pink said it like this, the act of receiving Christ is done once for all. I cannot receive Him a second time, for He never leaves me. But having received Him to the saving of my soul, I now feed on Him constantly, daily, as the food of my soul. Again, going back to that picture of the Passover lamb, the Israelite was to was to take that lamb and put that blood up. A a one-time moment. A moment of faith that that he would just do that. That was the command. In faith to put the blood. And then he would go and sit down at a table with confidence that the blood would do what God said it would do. And he would sit and, and, and feast with his family while death passed through the streets and passed over his house because of the blood. While they inside feasted 
and confidence and joy and satisfaction of feasting on the Lamb. What a beautiful picture of the Christian life. That if we have, have come to that moment of belief, of faith, where we've trusted Christ as our Savior, then we with confidence the rest of our life feast joyfully, knowing that the blood is going to do what God said the blood would do. So we have confidence in life as we feast upon the all-sufficient Christ. I want to close with the ever-familiar Psalm 23. And I want you to pay close attention to verse 5. Here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. Listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about the picture here. In the valley of death. As your enemies are in the distance ready to pounce and to take you out, to destroy you, God has prepared a feast of Christ. And you can just with confidence as your enemies look on set and with confidence feast upon Christ and know that you are safe. And to know that though earthly food will fail you eventually, that the bread of life will never fail you, but will bring you confidence as you feast on the sufficient Christ. Let's pray as our musicians come. Please stand. Respond however God has spoken to you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for Christ. We thank You for drawing those of us who know You to Your Son. God, that we could have faith so that we can have confidence to live our lives feasting upon Your Son, to enjoy Your Son, to enjoy the hope that Your Son brings to our lives even in the shadow of death. God, move in our hearts this morning as we respond to Your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.